goslings, our buddies. Thank you so much for joining us today on The Smug Buds. I'm Liz, your faithful host, and I'm joined by my faithful partner in hosting, Will. Hey, bud. Hi, Liz. How are you? I'm pretty good. It's cold here, which I'm not happy about. No. Like more so than, I don't know, regular, I guess. But Yeah. That's a frequent issue for you. But <laughs> yes. at this time of year, perhaps especially. Yeah. February sucks, man. It's your Smug Buds uh, episode for February 2021. It is. Uh, which that part doesn't suck. I'm here for mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Uh, how is it out in the old AZ? It's okay. Uh, temperatures are kind of fluctuating day to day, week to week. For example, today the high was 80 degrees. Tomorrow, I think the high is 68 or something like that. So some some good days, some okay days. We yeah. we We take what we can get until the heat really starts up in earnest and starts punching you in the face yeah or you know just completely suffocating you any day now <laughs> i remember when i visited in february hmm. low you know 5 years ago low these many years yes uh it was about 80 during the day mm-hmm. and i was so happy sure i was like this is my favorite. We're eating outside at this restaurant mm. and not because we're forced to because of the pandemic. No, there was no such thing at that and time. I was just so happy. Yeah. And now that's all gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we have Elliot, so that's good. Swings and roundabouts. Because that's when I told you guys I was pregnant. I remember. <laughs> um, do you have any old business? I don't think I have anything I would classify as old business. Do you? I can't think of anything. (laughs) Okay. Well, I won't call this old business, but Uh I thought I might do like just sort of timestamp this with a quick recommendations corner. Ooh. Because I'm very excited that at this time, mid to late February 2021, I feel like I finally have a solid top three films of the year. 20, oh, good. 2020. Yeah. Uh, and I'm optimistic that by this time next month, I'll have a better top five. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's such a weird year that I don't know if... At the end, even at the end of the <laughs> line, that the top 10 is going to be all that impressive. But mm-hmm. at this moment in time, we just saw a movie last night that rocketed to the top of the list. And I'm like, oh, okay, now I can look at my top three and go, oh, those are all great. Winners, yeah. And then I look at four and five and I'm like, oh, those are good too. But like, I think they might get knocked down a peg yeah. or two. So. The two other movies that I had already seen prior to last night, which are cur- which are which are currently two and three, are First Cow and mm-hmm. Defy Bloods. 
And First Cow, you could watch. I, we watched it on Showtime. Presumably, yeah. you, you can still do so if you have access to that. And The Five Bloods, you can watch on Netflix. Mm. On Hulu, however, just last night, we watched Nomadland. Okay. Uh, starring uh, Francis McDormand. Oh, who two, rules? Two thumbs up. Good? Five stars. Nice. 10 out of 10. Uh, number one movie. Uh, it is uh, written, directed, and edited by Chloe Zhao. Okay. Is that, is that name familiar at all? Uh, no. Okay. Um, she's come mm-hmm. up on this podcast before. I'm sure she has. When uh, when Mike was with us and we were talking about uh, our Marvel oh, teams. Is she the Thor director? The lady Thor director? No. Uh, ta- oh. Taika, uh, Taika Waititi. Uh, is directing Natalie Portman in Thor four, just as oh, he I don't just know as he directed Thor three. Didn't she say that she would only do it if there was a woman director? Um, I don't know if she ever explicitly said that. I know that she was very unhappy, supposedly, because Patty Jenkins, who would go on to direct two and perhaps someday three Wonder Woman movies, mm-hmm. um, what she was supposed to direct Thor two. Uh-huh. And then she didn't, and then oh. and Natalie Portman had to do that, and mm-hmm. she was not happy and wouldn't want to return. And then, who should direct Thor three? Sans Natalie Portman because she you know stormed off. Well, yeah. not a woman, but nonetheless Taika Waititi, mm-hmm. and I perhaps that movie was so spectacular in one way or another that it tempted Natalie Portman back into the fold. Uh, maybe she wants to work with Taika Waititi. You yeah, know, I mean, he I, rules. So. If I can't. Yeah, he's great. She Maybe Natalie Portman is, the, I'm just speculating what's going on Did in her see? head, but maybe she's thinking, well, if I can't work with a woman on one of these movies, at least I'll get to work with Taika Waititi. But real quick, Chloe yes. Zhao is the director of Eternals. Starring okay. starring Buff Kumail Nanjiani. Don't know if oh, you've seen those yes. pictures, but oh yeah, I've seen those pictures. Yeah, so <laughs> Eternals, I think, sans pandemic, would have come out last November, mm. and now we're gonna see it question mark. Got it. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's a funny, funny thing to watch Nomadland starring Francis McDormand, and and keep in the back of your mind person who made this movie uh, uh, also made uh, an MCU movie that we haven't seen yet. Uh, it's uh, it's very bizarre, but, you know, uh, also Taika Waititi directing Thor seems bizarre a few years ago. So, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's it's a it's a whole phenomenon and it's interesting. I find it interesting. Sorry, I cut you off. What were you going to say? No, you didn't cut me off. I cut you off. Um, did you see? The picture of Taika Waititi with um, um, Bong Joon Ho. Bong Joon Ho. How do you say his name? Bong Joon Ho. Bong Joon Ho. Um, what are they doing? In the picture. I I think I might have seen that. They're walking. Uh huh. It seems to be in an airport. But okay, yeah. He captioned it "Happy Valentine's Day." Oh yeah, nice. <laughs> That's great. Um, but it's a cute, it's a cute picture, and yeah, um, worth looking at. And thinking this is cute. Yeah. So so real quick to wrap up the contemporary film talk. Oh, yes. Um, 
I've got several more things that I want to catch up on. We'll check back in on this next month. Next month, it'll be my decision what we talk about. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's going to be. And I don't know whether we may or may not talk Oscars. Yeah. Oscars are in April this year. Nomi- that's late, right? Right. Okay. I'm working backwards. Nominations are going to come out the Ides of March. Oh. Oh, so like really late in March then. Or no, in April, you said. Uh, When in April? The ceremony is April. I think it's late April. I think it's like April 25th. Wow. But we'll know the nominations on March 15th. Got it. Okay, good. And the The eligibility window Uh is 14 months. It's, It's from January 2020 to end of this month, February 2021. They extended it because oh. of the pandemic. So movies that officially came out, you know, this month will be eligible. Nice. Uh, and uh, so maybe uh, in late March, we'll, we'll uh, I'll do an episode about that as I've done in the past. Or maybe we'll just do a little nominations corner and then I'll talk about whatever. Um, and then real quick, uh, still in recommendations corner, but a different medium. Mm-hmm. I wanted, just wanted to mention I'm very enthusiastic about the video game, video game that I've been playing for the past week. It's called The Ooh. Pathless. The Pathless? Yeah. I think uh, you would enjoy it. Maybe Kenny oh. would too. Yeah. Um, did you ever play Abzu? No. Did you ever play Journey? Uh, par- Partially, yeah. yeah. We didn't finish it. So Abzu is sort of like underwater Journey. Okay. Um. Giant Squid, they're the developers who made Oh. Abzu. There's not a giant squid in the game. Um, no. Uh <laughs> but there there are animals to delight in. Okay, good. Um Giant Squid, uh this is the, the Pathless is their new game. And so the DNA of the Pathless is very much like uh Abzu and Journey, but it also definitely has DNA, uh, in my opinion of The Witness, of uh, Breath of the Wild, and of Shadow of the Colossus. It's like nice. it's like an open world where there's different puzzles to solve in different locations. Mm-hmm. The way that you navigate the world is really fun. Just moving around it uh, is really fun. And uh, there's... Uh, there's basically four divine beasts in in the game <laughs> like i love a divine beast yeah, yeah they, they don't call them that but that's basically that's basically something that's going on <laughs> in it as well uh and i'm playing it on my uh ps5 and uh i i recommend it i it's a really a, it's a will sort of a game and and i uh, love will sorts of games yeah uh as I, long I, as they're not platformers right yeah there's only a little bit of platforming uh, in this, and you can you can mostly get a, get around it. Good. Uh, if you if you want mostly to mostly get around it by, by handing the controller to Kenny, <laughs> right? Or just you know going and doing something else. I am realizing that I actually have two books that I want to suggest. Cool. Um, the first is called. Uh, oh, I just need to get their names right. So the first is by Ross Gay. Mm-hmm. And it's called, I think it's called The Book of Delights. Hmm. I'm looking it up to make sure I'm correct. Yes, it's called The Book of Delights. Cool. And it's really cool. It's about um, 
he basically decided to write a little essay every day of his life Mm -hmm. um, for like a year. Mm -hmm. And then I guess he took the best ones and um, put them into this book and he started on his birthday. Um, So they're all short. They're like, you know, well, I don't know if they're all short. We haven't finished it yet, but they're Mm -hmm. fairly short. So Kenny's been reading me one before I go to sleep at night. Nice. Um, But... I've been very, very into this, like, short essay form since I read Kasia St. Clair's uh, The Secret Lives of Color. Mm-hmm. Um, and also with, like, um, In the Dream House, which has very short sections, too. Yeah. Ju- I guess it just functions, right? Because I'm a poet or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're also good. I think they're really good books for sort of, like, everyone, quote, unquote. Because yeah. the the payout is really big for a really small investment. Right. Um, yeah, I, I'm not. A, it's not just a poet thing, by the way. Just speaking from my experience, oh, <laughs> I'm I'm not a poet, and I've been frequently drawn to uh, sh- works of short form prose, especially collections. Yeah, the other one is by a woman whose name I'm probably going to say wrong. Her first name is Amy. I got that. Mm-hmm. Her last name is ne- mm-hmm. Nezhukumada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know how to say it? No, I don't. But I can picture it. I know who you're talking about. Okay. The book is called World of Wonders. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, well, one, it's illustrated. um, But it's largely focused around different animals where she writes a little essay around um, like an animal and then relates it to her life. And Mm -hmm. they're just really beautiful. It's like really beautiful animals. descriptions of the animals and Mm -hmm. then you know she does a good job of writing the sort of like regular essay stuff and then i put in scare quotes and then there's like illustrations so Mm -hmm. i actually read that book almost entirely when i was on my writing retreat with aram a couple of weeks ago Mm -hmm. it was my christmas present from her oh nice um but i also have found that during this pandemic like anything that i can read that brings me joy is good just because as even though i'm not like anti-screen by any standard Mm -hmm. i do sometimes like acknowledge that I need to look at something that is not a screen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not proud to say this, but I'll admit it anyway. I have not been reading nearly as much uh, since uh, work from home conditions started. Mm-hmm. Um, Would I, you read at your lunch break? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, uh, that that was a, my practice for a long time. And then I kind of started to fall out of that for one reason or another. Uh, and now it's just gone to almost zero since I uh, finished whatever books I bought at AWP around this mm-hmm. time last year. Um, but I still uh, I still read comic books. and um, Which is reading, dude. Mm-hmm. It's still reading. It's true. Uh, in comic books, I'm really enjoying Tom King's uh, Rorschach uh, series. Ooh. Uh, and I'm very excited that uh, Runaways just came back. Mm. Um, which I was not confident was ever going to come back. I think it was sort of shelved or delayed when the pandemics interrupted, you know, mm. the flow of everything. Mm-hmm. And I think there was no new issue of Runaways for like a year. Or, or going on a year. Um, and it coincided with like the end of a story arc that easily could have been like the end of yeah. the whole run. 
Um, but it's back now and it's back with the same writer as before, who I think has been doing brilliant work with it. Her name is Rainbow Roll or Rowell W. I mean, R-O-W-E-L-L. Do you know that name? No, but that name is cool yeah. as hell. She's a like a young adult novelist now turned uh, comic book writer. And uh, yeah, I just love her her take on the uh, characters that, that Brian K. Vaughn uh, created. Uh, Runaways being uh, just, you know, sort of my original favorite uh, comic mm. book. Cool. That's so great. I'm so glad that you found, I'm so glad that you were able to find something not find something, but experience something like that that was meaningful to you. Yeah. I always, um, I mean, I've made it a habit since we moved to Tucson five years ago to go to, I, I for a little while, Sarah and I would go to the comic book store like every week. Yeah. Um, now the habit is I go like once a month and there are probably like at any given time about like four or five series that I'm reading that I just pick up the new issue of. And, you know, as I drop one, I find another one to pick up. And right now it's Runaways, Rorschach, Strange Adventures, which is also Tom King, same as the Rorschach mm-hmm. series. Uh, Marauders, which is a, sort of an X-Men offshoot, uh, mostly centered on... Um, well, I, I, nor, normally I would say Kitty Pride, but part of part of the book is that she doesn't want to be called Kitty anymore. <laughs> um, so Kate Pride. Ugh. And um, that's four. I'm trying to remember if there's a fifth that I'm still reading. Maybe it'll come to me later if there is one. I'm, that might be it. Can I tell you something very unfair of me before we get into my topic? Of course. There are a few things that I am like unreasonably annoyed by. And one of them is adults who have gone by a nickname deciding that they don't want to go by that nickname anymore. Oh, really? And the reason I know it doesn't make any sense specifically, well, besides the fact that you should just respect people, one. Of course. Is is that, um, like, if a trans person tells me to change, they've changed their name, I'm like, I'm on it. You know what I mean? Yes. It's very (laughs) important that I acknowledge this and, and be faithful to it. Yeah. But, like, two of my uncles, um, not, like, one of my direct uncle, one was, like, a great uncle, mm. did this. One, have I ever mentioned my Uncle Dude before? I'm almost certain that you haven't. <laughs> I think I would remember. <laughs> so, my uncle's name was, this was my grandmother's brother. So, this is mm-hmm. my um, my uh, first uncle once removed. And his name was Emerson. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he was a junior. And so everyone called him junior. Mm -hmm. And then he went to some war. Sure. And when he came back, he said, you can't call me junior anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm an adult now. I've been to war. Right. And everyone said, okay, dude. Mm -hmm. And literally everyone called him dude. That was his name. Sure. So he was uncle dude. Fair enough. And like, he was really big in the theater scene in Harrisburg. So there's this like. When they opened the Whitaker Center, they did this, um, which is like a performing space and science space in Harrisburg. They did a like um, promotional painting mm-hmm. um, that had the theater and then they had painted p- people basically donated money to have be painted into this painting of right. different seats and stuff. And my uncle dude was dead because he died when I, he's like the first person I remember dying. I was like three or something. Mm-hmm. 
and they put a painting of him on the back wall. Mm. But when you look at the index, it says Emerson dude in quotes, Beeble. Nice. <laughs> but that I think is annoying. Sure. <laughs> like Emerson's a fine name. Yeah. And we know a child named Emerson, you know? So it's a little bit of a mouthful, but it's also a very nice name. Yeah. And then the other one is my Uncle Barney mm-hmm. um, decided at some point that he wanted to go by Berndt, which is his legal name. Okay. I am. I also think this is dumb. Sure. <laughs> I still call him Uncle Barney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's besides the point but yeah like so so kitty pride wanting to go by kate i'm just like Ugh, get over yourself. oh my god some, some people feel that way they're mostly villains <laughs> um did your uh did your uncle barney teach you that um sharing is caring it can be fun <laughs> i know as a child what a name mm-hmm. and i wonder actually after my mom i feel like he asked to go by barrett before that dinosaur was a situation interesting um I think it was like, I'm an adult man and I don't want a nickname, which I think is ridiculous, but... You saw it coming. The writing was on the wall. Yeah. So, Will, what are we talking about today? I think that you have some parenting advice that you would like to share. Do you not? I do. Do you remember the, the theme? I uh, Apparently, I don't. Okay. Care less. Ah, yes. The name of your parenting book to be. Yeah, my parenting book to be. You guys are getting a sneak peek. It's Maybe a good. Pod- it's a good Go title. It it's catchy, not only because it's provocative, yes. but also because we're used to seeing the word careless. Yes. And this is careless. Yes. Thank you for pointing that out. I don't think I had ever thought of it that way before. Yeah. So first off, I want to say um, I want to dedicate. You know, I know a lot of parents, mm-hmm. and I know people that just had babies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to de- and I love them very much, but I want to dedicate this podcast to my, uh, cousin. She's not really my cousin. She's my second cousin-in-law. Sure. <laughs> Lindsay, Lindsay, this podcast is for you, sweetness. Uh, Lindsay, I care for very much. She has a one-year-old named Willow. Uh, I am still trying to get her to watch Buffy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been trying to get her to watch Buffy for, since she got pregnant. Now, now's now's the time. I mean, like, <laughs> strike while the iron is hot. Now is the time, above all other times, to be uh, recommending uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, Firefly, Serenity, <laughs> Dollhouse, the first two Avengers movies, uh, that black and white adaptation of Much Ado About Nothing, uh, right. a one-issue comic called Sugar Shock. Uh, let's see what else, what else? Um, maybe one or two episodes of the office. Um, really? Yeah. The one where, uh, Oh, toy story. Well, yeah. Toy story and, um, uh, Roseanne and, uh, uh, alien resurrection. Uh And going back to the office, specifically the episode where Jim, uh, convinces Dwight that he is a vampire. Oh, wow. Are you serious? Directed by, I, I don't, I don't think he wrote it. But uh, still, though, did did they bring him in because they knew he had like experience? Vampire experience. Yeah. (laughs) This guy knows how to shoot vampires. So to be very clear here, I recommended this many months ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But yes, it's it's for um, it's for you, Lindsay. Um, Lindsay. Oh, like I was saying, uh, Lindsay's great and she's a great mom. And she texts me all the time about parenting questions. 
um, because I am a parent a little bit ahead of her and I answer her questions. And this is very often what comes up. So care less. What does this mean? What what do I mean by this? Hmm. Parents, I, I want parent, parenting is really hard. It's going to be hard for a lot of reasons. It's hard because there's things you can't expect. Like maybe you have to parent while your father-in-law is in a coma or maybe you have to parent because your kid has open heart surgery. Or maybe you have to parent during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's like a million reasons why parenting. I have a friend from high school who has like, um, she has two kids that she birthed. She has two adopted by um, adopted brothers that are biological brothers. Um, but she adopted them. And then she has a fifth child that she's working on adopting. She's a, uh, in the foster care system. Mm-hmm. And one of the children... Um, was diagnosed with leukemia three days ago. Mm. They, he literally, she thought he had anemia. She has a science background, so she understands some of some stuff. She's not like a doctor, but she um, was like a biology student, so she understands a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. She was like, I'm fairly certain he has anemia. Took him to uh, urgent care, and they were like, uh, he has leukemia and is now, and had chemo today for the first time. And she has four children. Mm-hmm. At her house mm-hmm. um, with her husband. Like, there's a million reasons why parenting is hard. Yeah. And I want to make parenting easier for us. Yeah. So when you're someone who's taking care of a smaller human, it's very stressful and you can get very anxious and you can get very worried because there's a lot of advice out there. This is like the sort of generic beginning to any parenting situation, mm-hmm. <laughs> any parenting advice. But there's a lot of advice out there, and it's hard to know what to pick. And some of it um, is sort of like, as far as I'm concerned, black and white. Like, um, you know, don't put a stuffed animal in a crib with your newborn because mm-hmm. they could get SIDS and die. Don't do that. Um, some of it is more wimbly wombly. Um, a lot of places, for example, suggest you don't start feeding your kids solids, uh, until they're six months old. Um, other places say it's okay at four months and we did it at four months cause Elliot had the hole in his heart and we wanted him to get as many calories as he could. <laughs> um, and so I think that there's a lot of situations, like a huge amount of situations where parents get really upset. And there's no reason for them to be upset. And if they just cared less, they wouldn't be upset. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I want to talk about today. Right. So I'm going to give you um, some – we're going to go through three different situations. And as I go through those situations, I'm going to slowly reveal what I mean by care less. Uh. And I'm going to end with a – sort of flow chart of questions that you can ask yourself to Mm -hmm. see if this is what I mean. This is the time to care less. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I want to talk about is sleep. Mm -hmm. Will, have you heard the phrase sleeping like a baby? Yes. Have you heard that it is a weird phrase to describe sleeping well? Yes. What do you know about how babies sleep? Uh, uh, They they tend to sleep erratically. Yes. So babies are small, and this is relevant. Um, when they're, when they're small, their tummies are small. So when they're very first born, they wake up literally because they're hungry, right? Because their stomachs are literally so small 
that they can't keep enough food in their body to maintain comfort, Mm -hmm. right? So when they start sleeping through, sleeping longer, it's very often because they've gotten bigger and they aren't like getting hungry in the middle of the night, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on top of this, there are some babies that just don't know how to or learn how to or their brains just aren't letting them sleep the whole way through the night um, right away or they have a lot of trouble actually falling asleep. Um, And so parents get very anxious about this. And let me tell you, this was the thing I was most worried about Mm -hmm. (laughs) out of everything. Yeah. (laughs) Because, well, how much do I sleep? Um. I th- well, I think you go to bed quite early. Yes. And I, I think that perhaps you're an early riser, but not like a, like an, not like a remarkably early riser. Not like yeah. a, oh, it's weird. Liz wakes up at like three a.m. every day. So I, I would perhaps su- su- suggest you sleep more than average. Yeah, I sleep eight to nine hours a night. Okay. Yeah. So slightly more than average but most of the people that i work with sleep like six hours a night Mm -hmm. so they're going to bed at like midnight and waking up at six which is way too late right (laughs) or seven my boss gets up at like seven or 7 30 and i'm like already working at that point yeah um yeah i sleep a lot and i'm sort of known for sleeping a lot um when we were in college there's one picture of me that is in your room your single that you had across the hall from me Mm -hmm. and i'm in my pajama pants and like the shirt i had worn to work and i'm like doing a thing with my hair and i think either kim took it or dana took it but the caption of it is it must be before 10 o'clock because liz is awake Mm -hmm. so when i knew that I was going to have a baby, the thing I was most concerned about was not being sleep deprived. Because if I get six hours of sleep, I'm very sleep deprived. And I'm very upset and I don't function well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got lucky because Elliot had a hole in his heart. Right. <laughs> and so he slept a lot. He slept 11 hours when he was two months old because mm-hmm. uh, he was so tired. Yeah. Um, but getting him to sleep was a different issue um you know when they're really tired they it's called being overtired they just cry and they're really upset it's hard to get them to calm down i wasn't breastfeeding at this point um because uh i hated it and it, he wasn't eating enough and we needed him to eat as much as possible oh, lots of babies are breastfed to bed every night they're basically breastfed until they fall asleep mm-hmm. And we finally decided after he had regulated and we knew he was sleeping well to do a method that I'm sure has a name, but we didn't exactly follow the rules for it ever, which is something else I just want to say in general as parenting advice, with the exception of those things that I think are very black and white, you can sort of take and pick what you want from the way to like the sort of parenting systems that exist out there. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of them will say, like, you have to do everything or it won't work. And that might be true. But, you know, if it's working and you're not doing one of the things, who cares? Right. So we did a thing where we would put Elliot in his crib and we would leave. And if he was and if and he would cry because we were gone. And if he was still upset five minutes later, we would go in. We'd rub his little chest 
and sing them a little song, and then we would leave again. And we would do this ad nauseum until he fell asleep. But the idea was that he was not falling asleep in uh, our arms. He was not falling asleep with us in the room. He was comforted by us, but then he was falling asleep on his own, Um, which was important to me because, um, you know, sometimes parents are in these wild situations. And I want to say, too, that some kids also are so persnickety that this is what is forced to happen, where it's like, you know, there's a whole bedtime routine, which is not what I'm referring to. But then once the kid is actually in bed, like, you have to have your hand on the kid for them to fall asleep. So you're standing there for like 30 minutes waiting for the kid to fall asleep. And then once you take your hand away, you have to wait another 30 minutes before the kid's deep asleep. And then you can sneak out of the room. And I was just not going to do that if I didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the thing. Parents don't like when their kids cry. Mm-hmm. And I never felt that way. <laughs> okay. And this is where I started to think about how I people just need to care less. Well, what can a baby do? What is the skills of a baby? Cry. Uh, piss and shit. Mm-hmm. Eat, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um... I don't know. Am I forgetting anything? I mean, they can't even smile at the beginning. Um, That takes like, I don't know. I think Elliot started smiling after seven weeks or something. Um, Which, let me tell you, six six or seven weeks of a baby either being neutral or sad Mm -hmm. (laughs) wears on you until they smile at you. And then you're like, a positive reinforcement. Yeah. Smiling. Yeah, that's pretty much all they can do. And they can't talk. And they can't even point a lot of the times. And so when babies are crying, they're just expressing the fact that they have limited ability to express anything. And so I never felt sad when Elliot felt sad like that because I knew that it was his limited emotions. But this is this is what I mean when I say care less, right? Because I know so many parents who start going through the process of trying to, it's called sleep training, Mm -hmm. but I don't love that phrase because it makes it sound like you're making your kid do something. And really you're just like leaving the room and not, and not caring until you have to go back and check on them. But they get so upset waiting those five minutes while their kid is crying because like every chemical is going off in their brain that they have to take care of this kid. And really it's what, the kid needs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not to suffer. I'm not saying leave your kid in cuz some there used to be some parenting advice that you should leave your kid in there just until they fall asleep. And that's not good. If you start if you leave them in there for so so long, their like cortisol levels go up. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really bad. Mm-hmm. But for 5 minutes, it's fine. And so if you can care less about that you will be not upset and your baby will learn the thing that you want your baby to learn. And then you won't feel so terrible the whole time. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing is sleep. Sleep. Let's look at a slightly older child now. Okay. Let's talk about eating. Mm -hmm. Can you force a kid to eat, Will? I mean, not ethically, I would would guess. Yes. The, the correct answer is yes, not ethically. I, I will go back to a tiny baby story. When Elliot was little 
at one point I gave him a bottle of pre-made formula that we had been given. So it came in like a little, um, like a water bottle, but it was like two ounces. And then you screwed a nipple on so that he could eat it. And it was the brand Enfamil. So I had given him Similac in the past and he had had breast milk, but he had not had Enfamil yet. And I, it was like 2.30 in the morning. I put the formula, like I, I put it near his mouth. He opened his mouth. He put it in. He took two little like sucks mm. and then politely closed his mouth and looked at me. Mm-hmm. And I sort of pressed the nipple up against his lips and he just looked at me and and I thought, oh my God, you have an opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was so little. He was like three weeks old and Elliot like was so alert as a baby like he when he was awake he was like he would really look around at stuff you know Mm -hmm. and so for him to just be like looking at me with his little mouth just like was something but the thing was is i couldn't get him to eat Mm -hmm. even though i knew he had to eat Mm -hmm. because he was a tiny tiny baby and needed to gain weight yep and so i think that particular time i just eventually was like well i guess you're going back in your crib and then you know we tried again later When kids start to eat solid foods, this is one of the most stressful times for parents because they need their kid to eat, but they have very specific ideas about what that means. Mm -hmm. So they think that they should put the food in front of the kid and then the kid is going to eat like they eat. So like, Will, let's say you have a sandwich fries mm-hmm. a drink can i have the fries in the sandwich uh, well okay so my question was going to be how are you going to eat these things depending on the sandwich i might integrate the fries into the sandwich okay some of my favorite sandwiches have this as an ingredient have you been to pittsburgh sure you know they put french fries on their sandwiches in pittsburgh mm-hmm. Promonti brothers smart people um okay but now what order are you going to eat it in um, I've I've forgotten. <laughs> so the, I would eat the sandwich, and then was there a beverage? Yes, and there's a drink. Yeah. What uh, did I forget? Anything? Fries. Oh well, I'm eating the fries. Let's with say the you can't fit every fry onto the sandwich. Will. Okay. <laughs> I guess I, I I would probably, <laughs> under most circumstances, prioritize the sandwich. Mm-hmm. Eat the fries with with whatever was left of my appetite post sandwich. Yeah. And wash it all down with that beverage. So I had a friend in grad school who James who would James would come to trivia with us and he would get a burger and french fries and a Guinness usually. He was Irish and very into drinking Guinness. And uh he would eat every fry and then he would eat his sandwich because he was, quote unquote, saving the best for last. When I, when I have a, like a burger, mm-hmm. let's say, I eat the burger as quickly as possible because yeah. I know the bun is getting soggy. Right. <laughs> I, will, I will say there are circumstances in which I would do the reverse of what I said mm-hmm. I would do. For example, if I get a burger and fries from a Wendy's, a McDonald's, etc., I you know, eat a fry or two first. And if I can tell they're not very hot, uh, they're going to be room temperature or ice cold by the time I finish my burger. 
Mm -hmm. I'll hurry up and eat those fries while there's still some warmth to them. Yeah. And then, then it's burger time. So all of the things that we're describing here have a rhyme and a reason to them. We have eaten food. We have been disappointed. Mm -hmm. Right? We have learned how to enhance our eating experience. Mm -hmm. Kids don't give a shit about that. No. Elliot tonight ate. He had strawberries, lettuce, and a grilled cheese. And because my kid's a weirdo, he ate all of his strawberries Ate the crust off the edge of the grilled cheese. Mm -hmm. Ate the lettuce. And then we kept saying he had to eat the grilled cheese because he needed to eat more of his dinner. And not saying, like, you have to do it, but like, Elliot, like, please eat some more of your grilled cheese. Mm -hmm. And he kept not doing it until he finally said, I'm all done. I'm not hungry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he's always been like this, where... We'll give him, sometimes we'll give him, like, cubed beets or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he'll eat, He the one thing that has been pretty consistent is he tends to just, if there's fruit, he's like, fruit, and then he eats, like, all of that first. Mm-hmm. Um, but there have been times where he has eaten nothing for 20 minutes. You know, like, if he's sitting there and we're cooking our own dinner, he'll eat nothing for 20 minutes, and then he'll eat... Um, like the fruit and then he'll eat he'll sort of pick at like pasta that we've given him and then when i think that child hasn't eaten these beets yet and it's been 35 minutes or whatever he'll eat all of the beets because he just takes his own time and he figures it out i have i know so many parents that think my kid has to get vegetables right my kid has to get fruits i i don't want them to throw the food on the floor like which is legit I mean, all of these things are legit, but, you know, I need this to happen. I need that to happen. And then they get so worried about it. And this is another situation where we need to care less. Mm-hmm. Because we cannot make children eat. Mm-mm. Again, oh, and I don't think I prefaced this at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Wah, 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 wah. That was me rewinding. The classic <laughs> rewind sound. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Um, all the advice that I'm giving here is I'm assuming that you have a child having a common experience. Yes. And when I say common experience, I mean, they don't have any medical issues. Mm -hmm. They don't, they don't have any differing abilities. Um, they don't have anything going on where they're going to need additional support or modeling Mm -hmm. or, um, like resources Mm -hmm. um and the example that i'll give is we made very different decisions for elliot um with feeding him before and after he had his heart surgery Mm -hmm. he was getting breast milk with formula added into it at first because it needed to be more highly caloric Mm -hmm. and he he was then getting like i said solids at four months instead of six months which we probably would have waited for six months otherwise Mm -hmm. um and then once he did have the heart surgery i was even less on i that was when i really was like i can care less about this now Mm -hmm. because i was like he's gonna eat when he's hungry so this brings me to the sort of framework piece of what part of the framework of what i want to talk about with caring less it's not that you don't care 
it's not that you throw your kid to the wild. Mm -hmm. It's that you provide a structure that allows them to be independent in, and then you let them be. Yes. So this seems obvious, and yet over and over again when I'm talking to my friends, they get hung up on this part. So with food, for example, I always, we always make sure that Elliot has a variety of foods in front of him. So we try to have him have a fruit and a vegetable, some sort of like fat protein situation, some sort of carb situation. Mm -hmm. It varies by meal and he doesn't get every single thing at every meal, right? So at dinner tonight, like I said, he had strawberries, lettuce, and a grilled cheese. Um, Well, earlier in the day, he had carrots with his lunch and he didn't have any fruit, but he had yogurt um, and he had a quesadilla. Once I set that up, I put it in front of him, and I know that he's going to eat what he wants. Now, when he was younger and he was still learning how to eat stuff, I had to model things for him, right? So I had to be like, look, this is how you put this in your mouth. Or like, here, let me show you that you can eat this and that it's delicious. Um, I don't think it's – there's there's a form of um, teaching your baby to eat called baby-led weaning, which I'm – have you heard about this? You're smiling with a funny face. What What's your reaction to baby-led weaning? Weaning is a funny word. That's all. <laughs> yeah, weaning. You talk about weaning a lot with babies, man. No, I yes. I, I, I can imagine that is the number one context <laughs> in which that word comes up. Um, but basically the idea with baby-led weaning is that you literally just put the food in front of your kid and let them figure it out. Mm-hmm. And for months, they're like not even eating. They're just like playing with it. Sure. Which I still think is fine, but also with that, you don't do purees (laughs) Mm -hmm. because that's cheating, right? Mm -hmm. The kid has to eat on their own. Baby can't puree. (laughs) They can't puree. They can't use a blender yet. Mm -hmm. Um, It's sort of like keto, but instead of the whole (laughs) history of the species, it's the history of this one human being. They like baby led weaning actually is they only eat food that's on the floor that they can discover. <laughs> you like set them out into the woods and they have to figure out which mushrooms are and are not poisonous. They only eat like their own fingers and toes. <laughs> baby led teething. Yeah. And I like the ideas of baby led weaning a lot, but I also don't think that they're practical for everyone. I think that. For example, you're supposed to sit with your kid the whole time while they eat. Mm -hmm. And while that's – it's absolutely true that you should be watching your kid while they're eating, especially at the very, very beginning. Mm -hmm. That's not practical. Mm -hmm. I can't sit with my kid the entire time he's eating. I have to make my own food. Mm -hmm. And like the idea also is that you're very often eating the exact same thing that they're eating. It's just their versions are usually cooked longer so that they're softer. They don't have any salt in them because kids under one aren't really supposed to have too much salt. Um you know, it's, you know, nothing that is going to, you know, it's not almonds. Mm-hmm. It's not whole almonds, which are choking hazard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember thinking one of the things, not something that I was wrong about where I was like, I'm definitely going to do this. But I was like, oh, like I will probably just make Elliot, like give Elliot the same thing that we're eating. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I don't have any problem with that. Um the thing that I did not realize at the time was that Elliot is going to want to eat at a time where our, either we can eat 
the same thing as him or he's going to eat way later and he's going to be really upset. Mm -hmm. So most of the things that Elliot eats, he's eating at like 515 and our dinner is not ready until 630, Mm -hmm. which when you're a small human is a huge amount of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just don't think it's practical for a lot of parents. There's also there's also a class issue here, which, like, as I said, common experience. I think that this is this is a part of the common experience, which is that um, the idea that your kid is going to um, like just not actually eat food for months and months and months assumes that you have disposable income for that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But that said. I'm creating a structure that's safe. So I'm giving him foods that I know he can eat. Um, I'm giving him foods, in, you know, oftentimes that he's had before, but I'm always switching it out and we're always retrying things that he didn't like before to see if he likes them again, you know, a couple of months later. Um, he has made it very clear that he doesn't like celery, but so we might hold off on that. <laughs> we keep trying to give him celery. We gave him ants on a log the other day and he literally was like, how do I pick this up? And we were like, you just have to use your hand. He was like, but I'll get peanut butter on my hands. And we were like, yeah, you'll just like wipe it off later. And he was like, not convinced by this. Right. He was like, I don't like celery. Mm-hmm. Why do you keep giving me celery? Um, and then I let him mostly eat by himself without chiding too much. If I can tell he's getting bored and he isn't eating just because he's like distracted by something else i will remind him like hey make sure you eat this make sure you see that that seems really reason that might seem really reasonable to you but like baby led weaning basically says like not to do that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you don't want to create stress around food and i also don't want to create stress around food but i also think my child needs to eat Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so when i create that whole situation then if he eats i don't care and if he doesn't eat i don't care because i have created a space for him to explore the foods around him to eat at his own pace to eat in the order that he wants to eat things in and then from there um he can make those decisions on his own because this is one of the only places that he has agency Mm -hmm. and i also want to empower my kid so if i care less about my perceptions about what eating should look like I'm actually empowering him to make those decisions himself. Mm -hmm. The other thing about this, this is the other thing I want to say, Mm -hmm. is eating is a long game with kids. All of these things are long games. And they don't feel like long games because when your kid isn't sleeping or not going to sleep easily, Mm -hmm. and when your kid, you're fighting with your kid every day to eat, it feels like every day is a battle. But really, if if your kid is weird about eating, or sleeping, or whatever, for five years, or for 10 years, or for 15 years, but then they mostly have it figured out at that point, right? That's their whole life ahead of them where it's not an issue. So it's not just that, like, your kid isn't eating broccoli today, and you keep giving them broccoli. It's that maybe in four years, they'll eat broccoli, which when you have a four-year-old is a wild amount of time in the future. It's double their life. It's a whole different president at that point, especially if your kid was born in an election year, like me and my kid, because I was also born in an election year is my point. (laughs) And so if we can just care less about the thing that we can't control and think about it in this sort of larger holistic view, it's so much less stressful. 
and our kids thrive and we empower our kids. Does all of this make sense, Will? Yeah, all of this uh, makes plenty of sense to me uh, as an outside observer and as your friend. Um, <laughs> and if I uh, if I go long stretches just nodding and not even contributing, say, an mm-hmm uh-huh. or an okay, um, just assume that I have my mic muted. Uh, because I have strategically located my computer and microphone <laughs> in the, the the center place of the house where uh, every single noise in a 1,000-foot radius can be heard <laughs> at maximum volume. Uh, and, this is, any... and this is good, and I like it. Yes, of course. I like hearing the noises of your house. Mm-hmm. The click clack of little paws no one's ever going to sneak up on me when i'm at my computer (laughs) which used to be an issue in my life was it really well yeah i had i you know i'm an only child but i had um older cousins who would you know Mm. the computer chair is always like something you can lean back in and they would grab the back of it and jerk it real fast and i was absorbed and i was absorbed in the in the glow of the magic magical technology i didn't i didn't know they were there you were playing um snood snood <laughs> you, snood you remember snood yes i remember snood that's the face and the voice of someone who remembers snood oh my god do you remember this was i was talking to my to Blake about this do you remember slingo i don't no i don't think i knew slingo slingo was like an AOL game okay it was like we played it on AOL. I'm sure there were other ways to play it, but that was like the main way. Mm-hmm. And it was slots bingo. Oh, uh-huh. So you'd like, it would be like slots and then you would try to get your bingo card. But you were, it was like one of the first like online games where you play with other people because you were trying to beat other people and they'd have like tournaments. Mm-hmm. So there'd be like weekends where you'd be like, I'm going to play Slingo all weekend because there's a tournament on AOL. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can do a deep dive into Slingo someday soon. That sounds like fun. Like pre, like, oh, you're morning Flash games? Well, I'm morning Slingo. (laughs) (laughs) We are not the same. Cartoon Joker, like, (laughs) who was like, ah, he had like a hat. Or Jester, I guess. Yeah. Not a Joker, a Jester. Tomato, tomato. (laughs) Do you have any follow-up questions about my my parenting advice, Will? Uh, Hmm. I don't think i do i mean i'm 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 curious what this third thing is going to be because i i could have i could have guessed if you if if you had presented them as i think the way you presented them as we're going to go through three scenarios mm-hmm. which i was imagining like a word problem that, <laughs> but you're talking about like three areas of yeah. concern for for parenting a young child and and if you presented that you know, in a, in a sort of family feud, you know, top three answers on the board, you know, things that parents struggle with, new parents struggle with. I, I per, perhaps this is just hindsight bias talking, but I think that I would have guessed sleeping and feeding mm-hmm. uh, pretty quickly and in that order. Uh, but that number three answer is still on the board. And I'm not sure if I know what it is. If I had to well, get what does it always come back to for me, Will? 
Um, when I'm talking about parenting kids, we've already done an episode sort of on this. Well, we we've done an episode on on clothing it, and how it relates to a child's gender. That's what we're going to talk about next. Okay. Because this is a, so this is where I want to like expand outward. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, definitely listen to our um why I put my kid in a dress episode. Um if you haven't already our goslings. Uh, Depending on where my... you look, it might be called the gender neutral clothing episode or something like that. <laughs> Yes. Um, Elliot's wearing a beautiful citrusy dress with Batman glasses. Gendered children's clothing. I think I might have named it on SoundCloud. Yeah. Um, We don't always agree on what the episodes are called. (laughs) (laughs) Even when they're your episodes, but still, it's in my hands. Mostly when when they're my episodes, we don't agree. I always put what you have on the SoundCloud. Yeah, well, I always upload it. And that's the first step before you put it on the website. (laughs) So a little bit of a power imbalance there. Sorry. A little bit of behind the curtain is what what this is. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like, so if you listen to that episode, one of the points I make is that your kid can't know what options they have unless you provide them with all the options. So for a male assigned child, I have to give him the option of wearing a dress and not the option when he asks, but like letting him see and feel what he's like in a dress when he's too young to make that decision himself. And Elliot now um, is at a point where he doesn't really want to wear dresses. He tells us he doesn't want to wear dresses. He has a dress that I'm probably going to give to my coworker, Laura, because her daughter is definitely going to want it because it has Minnie Mouse on it. Who can- Elliot still insists on calling Minnie Mouse. <laughs> oh it's midi sort of sort of like a chip tune version of of mickey mouse (laughs) yeah my mom had a a record of children's songs by the crickets can you guess what the crickets were like like the chipmunks like alvin and the chipmunks it was like you know like um hula hoop Um, a hula hoop he wants that's from uh, King of Queens. Oh. <laughs> I always think of that. There was a Christmas episode of King of Queens, a show I don't frequently think of, but which I always think of when I think of that Chipmunks song, which I always think of when I think of the Chipmunks at all. <laughs> uh, they, there's a Christmas episode of King of Queens where Jerry Stiller is listening to the the Alvin and the Chipmunks Christmas song, and they sing that part. Uh me, I want a hula hoop. And Jerry Stiller <laughs> says, a hula hoop he wants. He thinks that that's very funny. <laughs> it is a weird present to ask for, honestly. Like, where are you going to do that? It's winter. Jerry Stiller, rest in peace. He was very, yeah. very funny delivery. Yeah, what a good dude from what I can tell. Don't I just don't want to know if it was bad. Um, he and his wife, though, they had like a whole thing together. It sounded really nice. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Part of, this is where I'm sort of like galaxy braining this, which is that Mm -hmm. like, it's not just a matter of caring less about things that are regard to like physical activities or safety. It's about caring less about your expectations about your own child. Mm -hmm. So when I have had so many friends who I love and really care for still get hung up on gender shit with their kids in ways that is baffling to me in 2021 for the people that I hang out with. Mm-hmm. Where 
um, you know, I'm the only person I know that has put my male assigned child into a dress. Mm -hmm. And I think that that should be standard practice for woke parents. Mm -hmm. Um, but then also, you know, I'll, I know parents who will say things like, um, oh yeah, you know, my kids are all equal. Like I'm going to treat them all the same. And then they dress them completely differently. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, you clearly aren't going to treat them all the same because you're putting them in completely different clothing. Mm -hmm. And then on top of this, they'll do something like they'll post a picture of like a a nine-month-old baby that's male assigned with a nine-month-old baby that's female assigned. And they'll say, future prom dates. They're dating. Look. And I want to die. Look, (laughs) the, the babies are romantically involved with each other. Isn't that cute? Think of all the things that are wrapped up in that and the implications. But but it's never two boy babies dating. That's a sin. (laughs) (laughs) Which would also, for the record, be weird. But Mm -hmm. the reason we accept it is because we're essentially practicing heteronormativity on our children. Right. And then when they don't do the thing that we want them to do, we're disappointed. And sometimes that starts from... Before they're born. Mm-hmm. So, like, somebody gets it in their head that, like, you know, they want a son because, you know, they loved their dad so much. And they think that they'd be a really good boy mom, a phrase that I also want to murder. Okay. <laughs> Have you heard this phrase before? Boy mom? Oh, my God. Yeah. Or girl dad? Uh, no, I don't think I have. So I'll give you some context. Let's say there's a picture of a dad on Instagram and his daughter has put a little tiara, like a little plastic tiara on his head. She's putting on some eyeshadow on his face and the mom posts it and she says, life of a hashtag girl dad. Mm -hmm. Doesn't that make you want to (laughs) die? Just girl dad things. (laughs) Yes. Or like, um, you know, there's like a mom and she's like covered in mud. Mm-hmm. Just boy mom things. Like, the idea being that, like, there are these like things to be expected from kids of a certain gender. And then that somehow affects our gender. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking weird, and I don't understand it. I would never use that phrase. Is this is this what uh, people are, are talking about when they keep telling me that there are more than two genders? <laughs> that, that if you're a parent, then then your your gender is sort of ele- like uh, you, you 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 enter a sort of subgenre of gender where yeah, yeah. you went from woman to mom. And specifically, you're a boy mom. Oh yeah, because when you when you give birth, you're not a, a woman anymore. You're just a mom. Oh, so it's uh, okay. So it's not. It doesn't stack. <laughs> no, it's it, they're it mutually erased. exclusive. Okay, I, yeah. Okay. See, I'm learning. This is this is this is why this is what the whole <laughs> podcast is based on. I get to have these learning experiences. Well, that was really good. Well done. Thank Congratulations. You. I want. I'm, yeah, that's a joke. To be clear founded in i am not ignorant about the spectrum of gender just (laughs) but yeah and and i mean then the reason i start this at gender is because then people get really disappointed 
I mean, I think you've also, I'm sure you've heard stories of people who end up having like four kids mm-hmm. because they keep trying to have the gender that they haven't had yet. Right. Isn't that a fucked up way to bring an entire ass human into the world? Yeah. I yeah, I mean you 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 could have stopped at just having four kids. And I I and and you could have said, "What do you think of that?" And I would have said, "Fucked up." <laughs> so sorry. I don't know. I know you have friends that listen, Liz. I don't know if any of your friends with four kids overlap with friends who listen to the podcast. I I don't think I have any friends that have four biological I have one friend that has four biological children. Mm -hmm. So that's like a starting place. Mm -hmm. But then this goes on to just like literally anything else because you know, there's so many things that we want to do with our kids and you just gotta like knock those expectations out, you know? (laughs) Like sure, We wanted to take Elliot camping because we love camping. And we hoped that we would instill that love of camping into Elliot. Mm -hmm. But there are plenty of parents that are like, well, I was a cheerleader. And so my kid is going to be a cheerleader. Mm -hmm. And then maybe their kid hates cheerleading. Mm -hmm. And it's a thing because then the kid feels this complex. Like they're going to disappoint their parents Mm -hmm. because they didn't do this thing. Sure. But even then, even further out into like career situations, right? Like, I mean, I think we all hope that if we have children that eventually, um, you know, if we have children that we have created in our bodies, so we aren't, you know, adopting children perhaps that have, you know, special needs that we know we'll need to care for them. I think our hope is that we create this child and we get to care for it and live in its, you know, live with with this child and and love them. And then someday they have garnered enough skills they, they know how to eat uh, sandwiches and french fries in an appropriate order. And <laughs> they can go out into the world and become self-sufficient and live their own life without, you know, the, con- the sort of more constant need of support that they need when they're younger. Um, but just like the idea that, like, we'd expect kids to go into a certain career or that we'd expect kids to have their own children. Or that we'd expect kids to be married at all. Um, all of those things are expectations. Or or even that we expect kids to be straight, right? So many parents, even if they are okay with their kid being gay, sort of function on this default of them being straight. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I've said this. I think I did say this is like in the the dressing, the dress episode, like I hope Elliot never has to come out to me Mm -hmm. because I hope that if Elliot is somebody who dates people that aren't cis women, that he'll just bring that person home and be like, this is my boyfriend Mm -hmm. Um, or whatever, you know, this is my friend and they're non-binary and we're dating, (laughs) you know. Presumably there will be words that we have not invented yet by the time that that is happening. Yeah. And we don't have some the people, vocabulary that Elliot will use in that context. Some people say joy friend. Okay. Which I really like. Sure. But I've heard some people really shit on joy friend. It, it takes all kinds to make a world. <laughs> but I think, it, I mean, as somebody who has not dated a non-binary person, I really like joy friend. I think it's really cute. It takes joy friends and it takes joy enemies. <laughs> but yeah, I, I hope that that's 
you know, Elliot's experience. And, you know, I'm going into all of this and we'll probably end up with this cishet, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, dude. Yeah. Who's just like, are you just, disapp- like, I, I I hope that Elliot's never like, are you disappointed that I'm not gay? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no! <laughs> like, I don't want that either. Mm-hmm. But um, by lowering our expectations and caring less about this thing that we have no control over and that really isn't serving our children and empowering our children, we'll save ourselves heartbreak. Mm -hmm. Because when a parent is upset that their kid is going to have genitals that they weren't expecting, that's their fault. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's also society's fault. Mm -hmm. You know, that's part of it too. But Go into it. Mitigate your expectations ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Because then you'll save yourself so much suffering that is completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, you just have to take my word for it. And and I cannot expect you to tell one from the other. Uh-huh. Um, so I guess you should just um, pretend that I don't have any facial reactions at all. Because <laughs> there's no way I can expect you to distinguish my facial reactions to what you're saying from my facial reactions to the things that are going on in the space around me. <laughs> it's fit. I swear it is. It is right down the middle. 50, 50. I cannot, okay, I good. cannot help myself. So, yeah, I think that if we care less in all of these situations, we can, save ourselves a lot of time as parents, but then also like empower our children. And so I have a system. Mm-hmm. Would you like to hear my system of questions? I'm going to bring it up on my This phone. is the flow chart. This is the flow chart. Yes. A flow chart of sorts. Yes. So these are the questions that you should ask yourself to decide if you need to care less or if you need to actually be really persnickety and really specific and actually like you know, have to be hyper aware in a way that would be stressful. Mm-hmm. The first is, have you created a space that is safe or relatively safe? Mm-hmm. And when I say relatively safe, I mean that, you know, not everything is foolproof. So like hypothetically, a crib, I would say a crib for a newborn that has the appropriate mattress. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a new crib. So it's up to current standards and you don't have any stuffed animals or sheets or blankets in there. I would say that that's a safe space. You can leave your baby there and not be in the room and it's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, When I say relatively safe, you know, when Elliot was first learning to eat and especially to put stuff in his mouth, I would sit with him the entire time because uh, even though I felt like he was safe enough to eat those foods himself, I wanted to make sure that he, if he did have a situation where he was gagging or needed help, um, I could assist him almost immediately. Mm -hmm. And now... That he's a lot older, um, I say relatively safe because he sits at the table while I'm, you know, six feet over there cooking or Kenny's six feet over there cooking and is very often unattended as consistently. But he's relatively safe. So that's the first question. So if you say yes, move on. Next, to the, the second, next question. Yes. Because because also the, the other point to this is if the answer is no and you can't for some reason, mm-hmm. like you're driving or you're traveling, then the answer is, yeah, if you can't put your baby to sleep in a place that's safe for you to walk away, you have to stay there and then you do have to be really concerned. Right. <laughs> Number two, have you provided your child with the resources they need to succeed, including physical objects as well as modeling and teaching? Mm-hmm. 
So by this, I mean, um, have you given them, like, toys they can play with so that they can play independently in a playpen? Have you given them food that you know that they are completely capable of eating? Have you shown them how to use a spoon? Mm-hmm. <laughs> have you, uh, you know, in with Elliot, um, Elliot loves when, have I told you that Elliot is like, loves when I wear dresses? Mm-hmm. When he sees me in a dress, he'll go, Mama, I like your dress, mm-hmm. <laughs> which rules. Mm-hmm. But the point is, is that I've modeled to him what it looks like when somebody wears a dress, mm-hmm. etc. If he answers yes, move Next on. question. This is less of a flow chart question and more of a thought experiment. Mm. If your child doesn't do this thing, what is the worst thing that will happen? I like to think about this a lot mm-hmm. because when I was working at Emma's, um, the restaurant. Food for life. Uh, rest in peace, Emma. Emma's food for life. Um, she often... I would often get start to get stressed. And the way I de-stressed myself was I would think, if I don't get this person their soup, what's the worst thing that will happen? And the answer was never, they will die, or they will be harmed, or I will be harmed, or Emma will be harmed. No one will receive physical harm. Mm-hmm. And so I said, this is fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't need to get upset about this. Mm-hmm. This is also... How I completely logic myself of ever getting nervous before I do public speaking. Have I ever told you this? Maybe. When I was in the eighth grade, we did Into the Woods Junior, which is the first act of Into the Woods, (laughs) the less sexy act. Mm -hmm. And I played the witch. Mm. And it was a big role. This, I think, was the Meryl Streep role in the film of a few years ago. Yes. Played by Bernadette Peters in the stage version that they have a DVD of that you can watch. Of course. Or, you know, stream it on the... The Amazon or whatever. A VHS, uh, probably, <laughs> at some point. Yes. Um, a yeah, Laserdisc. Yeah. It's on a... Um, a Betamax tape. You can play it on Dreamcast, weirdly. Oh. <laughs> um, Sega. And I... <laughs> yes. And I um, <laughs> would get a little bit nervous before I had to perform. And right. I basically was like, I don't like feeling this way. Mm-hmm. How can I not feel this way? Right. And I just went and I said to myself, the worst thing that will happen isn't that bad. Mm-hmm. The worst thing that'll happen is that the show gets fucked up or we just move on to the next scene. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm not going to be harmed. The people around me won't be harmed. And, you know, we'll figure it out. And from that point on, I have never been nervous to public speak. Ever. That's why I can just do it. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm at work and they want me to do a presentation, I'm I just do it. I don't care. Um, but I think that this is a good thought experiment to do with your kid. So if your kid's sitting there and he doesn't eat any of his carrots, and you've given him carrots, and that is the vegetable he has, what is the worst thing that'll happen? A day without vegetables. A day without vegetables, and honestly. If it's like four months without vegetables, but you keep showing your kid vegetables, your kid's going to know that vegetables are fine. They're no, they're going to know that they're not a threat. They're going to know that they're not a punishment. And maybe one day they'll pick up carrots and they'll eat them. Or maybe they just truly don't like carrots. That's mm-hmm. also fine. Mm-hmm. 
And I mean, this is also a situation with eating where it's like, well, if my kid doesn't eat this, they haven't eaten anything in three days and I might have to take them to the hospital. Well, then, yeah, then it's a different situation. Then mm-hmm. you shouldn't care less. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And your kid sounds like he's sick. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And then for some people, you know, they really are like, especially with something like eating or sleeping, they're like, then they're going to be a mess the next day. And I mean, I think you just have to say like, that's pretty bad. But is this consequence of this going to be worse than you sitting here and being worried about it? You right. know what I mean? Like. And, and so if I'm if I'm following your logic correctly, then I could I could apply your way of thinking to a hypothetical situation like the one that you've offered where your child won't eat the carrots. Mm-hmm. And I would say, OK, I, I know Liz's method. I have this in my back pocket. I can ask myself, have I provided my child the resources like a role model such as Bugs Bunny? <laughs> Yes. To demonstrate the the eating of carrots. And truly, that actually is not I know you're making a joke and it's a good one. Oh, thank it's you. not a it's not a bad idea. Sure. If you show a kid a funny rabbit eating carrots and then you give your kid a carrot, he might be like, ha ha ha, ha and like eat it, you know? Could be a good idea depending on which Bugs Bunny cartoon <laughs> you pick. Sure. Bugs yeah, Bunny did don't... some pretty racist stuff in his day. <laughs> I don't know if you know. Yeah, I'm sure. I don't think I've seen the racist ones of Bugs Bunny as much. Oh, well, they're out there. I mean, I'm sure they exist, but I, when I think of Bugs Bunny, the ones I think of are Barbara Seville. Mm-hmm. Um, Classic. Oh, the um, the opera one that's not Barbara Seville, but Kill the Wabbit, Kill the Wabbit. Which one is that? What's Opera Doc? What's Opera Doc? Thank you. And then the Abominable Snowman one with Daffy Duck. Sure. Uh, with references to, do you know what they reference in that? No, it's been so long since I've seen any of them. Of Mice and Men. Mm-hmm. The Abominable Snowman is um, the Larry? Is it Larry and George? Which way did he go, George? Which way did he go? That that. Title. Yeah, he's he's the, the buffoon mm-hmm, character. Mm-hmm. And he says... I really did want that bunny rabbit. Yeah. I would love him and squeeze him and call him George. Yes. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So not racism in that cartoon, but there still might be a disclaimer uh, if you watched it today. Yeah. Of sure. a different sort. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I guess that's really a disclaimer for of Mice and Men, though. By association. So, yes, exactly. Like that, you know, we, we joke. I know you were joking, but like. That that is a model, yeah. It's just a model of like this is like today. Elliot was saw me. I we had a kale salad with smoked salmon, uh, like a hot smoked salmon, not like lox. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, "What's that?" And I said, "It's salmon." And he said, "I want to hold it." And I said, "Well, I'll give you a piece." And I just gave him a piece, and then he ate it, mm-hmm. right? Because. He wanted to try it, and I wasn't going to give him a bunch of it, but he knew, he saw that I was taking little bites of it, and he knew that it was something that we were eating, and so he just felt comfortable to try it, because Mm -hmm. there are foods that he likes and foods that he doesn't like, but there aren't foods that he has really strong emotions about, because we have not had really strong emotions about food. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if you have created a safe space, if you've provided your child with the resources, and if 
you're truly in a situation where the the result the the consequence of it not going the way you want isn't going to physically harm right the kid or the people around you yeah the stakes are not threatening yeah care less mhm you save yourself a lot of time yes save time save energy save mental fortitude all those precious resources because like i said parenting is a long game mhm so if you get really caught up in today's decision and which is also not to say you shouldn't be consistent but if you get caught up in this has to happen today or else i'm going to be upset mhm oh you're going to be so upset all the time yeah and you're going to start reading books and going to doctors and it's probably not necessary <laughs> mhm one day maybe a book by Elizabeth Deanna Morris Lakes. My foray into parenting. Care less. It's catchy. A new, a new age of parenting advice. I like it. I'm I, not I, sure what else I'd write about. It's more of like a short essay, really. <laughs> I bet you could milk a book out of it. Yeah, I might have to like actually write like advice about ways in which you could feed your child and like different ways to think about it. I'm thinking specifically because yeah. there's like there's so much advice about like about different ways that you're you should and should not feed your child um, that I mo- mostly disagree with <laughs> mm-hmm. besides the, you know, don't kid give your kid almonds because it's a choking hazard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any follow up questions or thoughts or I think I'm just curious about the path from this to, you know, getting you on to. I don't know. What is the equivalent of Oprah today? The View? Ellen. Oh, God, no. No, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Are you kidding? <laughs> my favorite thing about Ellen is that there was. I can't wait to see where this is going. Ellen, the, the program. Uh-huh. Was that um, there was a couple of years ago. I mean, in Spontaneous Nation days. Mm-hmm. There was somebody on. Spontaneous Nation, who had worked on the Ellen show mm-hmm. and was just talking about how shitty she was. Mm-hmm. And Paul was like, are we just talking about this now? Like, mm-hmm. is this not a secret anymore? And this guy was like, like, clearly was like getting sort of nervous. Mm-hmm. And this guy was like, has it ever been a secret? Anybody who works with her knows this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when it came out that she was mean, I was like, yeah, I know. Yeah, we knew. Yeah. yeah. I know because Paul F. Tompkins' guest told me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah that may have been how i learned it too i do remember that i don't remember who that person was who the guest, I don't either, the guest sorry. name was but i remember that conversation because it was so funny because paul doesn't get nervous very often no that we can that we can perceive i, right. I will say i don't know how nervous he actually is but mm-hmm. um yeah i don't know i mean let's make it go viral maybe i make i have actually considered so i've been on tiktok a lot more recently mm. have you gotten onto tiktok at all uh, Not even like posting videos, just like looking at them. Yeah, I've looked. I've I've peeked. Um, I've been following a lot of like cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, surprisingly, I'm being sarcastic. Yeah. TikToks, but then I also follow some TikToks that are like, um, like I follow one that's called "So Satisfying," and it's just like a short video of someone with like a hot knife cutting a bar of soap in half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I have considered just having like a 
like my TikTok, like having a TikTok where all of my TikToks are just me explaining how to do things Mm -hmm. that like, because occasionally my mentee Auden will be like, how do I reheat rice? And it's not a bad question because there are like good ways to reheat rice in bad ways. And Mm -hmm. let me tell you, I know the good way. Mm-hmm. Not only do I know the good way because I do it the good way, but I have science to back up the good way. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, or yeah. like the other day they made pasta and I was like, in the future, you might want to consider, I always don't sauce the extra pasta that I make because otherwise it'll just absorb all the extra liquid and get gross and mushy. And they were like, okay, mm-hmm. Liz, I'll yeah. keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. I had to help them. Now I just feel like I'm saying all the things I explained to Auden. But I did help them uh, put on a fitted sheet the other day. And they were like, that. I still struggled, but that was the easiest it ever was. Good. And so, yeah, that'll be my TikTok. And then it'll yeah. go be parenting advice. Right. Too. Yeah. No, that's true. There's a lot of different, you know, delivery methods and forms that this could take. You know, even if it were just in the book sector, you know, mm-hmm. there's a way to write. You know, like you said, you, th- you thought that maybe it's, you know, just an essay. There's a way to write a book-length project where it's just like pop psychology, like mm-hmm. trying to appeal to the masses as much as possible. There's also a way of writing it where like you like really do your research and not just reading yeah. like other parenting books, but reading like, you know, actual like first, what's the prim- primary, primary source? Yes. Like scientific studies of uh of babies and toddlers and children so you can back up what you're saying with more than more than just your lived experience and the anecdotes of your friends not that i'm saying you need that in order to be legitimate but uh it helps i mean it's mm -hmm. it it is my like aesthetic you know oh yeah you've 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 shown that time and time again in my head right now i'm like imagining writing this book with you sure and just you 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 being like the person that's making it so that all of the parenting stuff I'm writing that sounds perfectly normal to me, you're like, Liz, this doesn't make any sense. Just translating it, yeah. <laughs> and then me being like, well, I don't know how to do research. And you being like, I know how to do research. Mm, do I? I don't know. I feel like you'd pick it up faster. I bet me. I could figure it out. <laughs> if I don't know how to do it now, I bet I could figure it out. Uh, yeah, I'd love to be in like a publicist sort of a role on uh, yeah. on this project. Um, I do feel like we've given a lot away uh, by releasing this podcast, <laughs> which is which is fine, but not clearly not marketable. I guess one thing I didn't talk about is like how to actually care less. Hmm. Which I am. Um, I so this is related, but I I just in general don't care about these things because it's the way that my brain functions. Mm-hmm. Um, I also don't get mom guilt. Have I told this story on the podcast before? I feel like I've been telling it a lot recently. Which one is this? About the moment in which I stopped feeling mom guilt. I feel like I've heard this from you, but I don't know if it was on air. So for the listener, for our Goslings, um, the day I found out Elliot had a hole in his heart, uh, he had gone to a normal doctor's appointment. Or maybe it wasn't normal, but it was at the pediatrician. He went to, like, so many doctor's appointments that first month because he wasn't gaining weight. And it was, he was, like, five weeks old. And um, then they sent me to the cardiologist. And Dr. Kirby, our wonderful cardiologist, um, did a, like, um, 
echocardiogram, mm-hmm. which is essentially an ultrasound, but there's like other probes happening. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I have to bring the technician in because there's this weird thing where like he knows how to use the machine, but technically he's not like certified to use it. Mm-hmm. He like the other person has to use it, but that person isn't qualified to actually interpret the right. images. Right. So he brought her in and she started looking. She started taking all the pictures. Her name was Ellie, I remember, because I was like, we all have the same name, basically. Mm. And, you know, he said, uh, your baby has a moderately large hole in his heart. And I said, is that the sort of thing that heals by itself? He said, uh, in my experience, no. But in my experience, I should also say that, you know, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. And I said, so what does that mean? He said, well, it means you're gonna ha- he's going to have open heart surgery down the line. And I went, huh. And then later, uh, when he had a, like a, an ultrasound, I think at like a year, we had that same technician. And she was like, oh, I remember you. You were the calmest person I've ever seen here that their tiny, tiny little baby was going to have open heart surgery. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, I don't know, man. It seemed like I had a pl- – I think the thing was is I knew I had a plan, so I was very calm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, of course I was upset. You know, I wasn't happy about it. Yeah. And so I, I got in the car and I call Kenny. It's like late now. You know, mm-hmm. Elliot hypothetically should have taken a nap. I tell him, I get home. I'm sitting on my couch where I always sit. I'm holding Elliot and he's sleeping for his afternoon nap, which I often sat with him on the couch for. And um, I'm talking to Sarah, our uh, devotee of the pod. Mm-hmm. And I said... I said to her, I'm I'm just crying so much. I hate this. I just keep thinking. I know it's not my fault, but it feels like it is. Because he was so new, it was like anything that had grown had grown in his in my body. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And I hadn't finished baking him. I sometimes make this joke now where I'll say, oh, you know, Elliot's perfect. I mean, maybe he could have done better with the heart. And nobody finds this joke funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's funny. I think it's pretty good. It's a, that's like a C plus, maybe B minus. Yeah. People should get a chuckle at least. Um, and I, she said, oh, no, you have the mom guilt. Mm-hmm. And I said, I just keep thinking, what if I had eaten more vegetables? And she said, Liz, period. You eat the most vegetables right and in this moment i was like yeah i do eat the most vegetables Mm -hmm. (laughs) that wouldn't have solved this you know i was very aware of what i was eating when i was pregnant minus the fact that i was drinking a gallon of whole milk a a week um i was very aware of that though because it's delicious but like i could not have prevented this and from then on i like the mom guilt lifted from me and i've never felt it again um But I think that my list specifically, you can use to sort of back yourself out of those feelings, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Because the feelings are based in real care. Yeah. But the problem is that they're not based in real fact a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And so if you can say to yourself, I have set up the situation. Now it is time for me to step back. Um, Then it's just a matter of actively working to not suppress but like not feed into those emotions those bad emotions that are not helping you which are not feeling good and Mm -hmm. which are not helping and one of my big parenting advice things which is sort of related to this and in this particular context but it's beyond this is like if you really can't handle it leave if you can if there are two parents and the one parent is really affected and the other one is not 
then the parent who's really affected uh, can leave. Mm -hmm. They can go and sit in their car. They can go for a walk. And the other parent who's not having a problem or as much of a problem, they can handle it. Because hypothetically, if you're in a partnership with another person, if you're so lucky, which you might not be, and, uh, you know, you don't have to carry that whole burden of being anxious and being worried the whole time. Mm -hmm. And by physically separating yourself, you're giving yourself the time to breathe, but you're also giving yourself the mental space to not having to not have to actively be assessing the the situation. Mm -hmm. So like if your baby's crying and you're just trying to get your baby to go to sleep, if you are losing your mind about this and you leave, you're not now assessing, well, is it now is it time for me to go in there? Have these cries escalated to the point that I should go in earlier than I would normally? Because it sounds like he's in pain. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that again, that's not going to be everybody's situation. But I think that, that those are ways that you can sort of like deal, like start to deal with these feelings that are happening. Like, I mean, truly chemically for, for especially for mothers who are like all jacked up on these wacky hormones that they haven't had before. Um, not to say, and by mothers, I, I also mean just uh, childbearing people. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas I think that the one who didn't carry the child doesn't have that same reaction in the same way a lot of the time. Sure. Um, which is is not, which is truly like the weird chemicals in your body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but eventually, once you get to be four, it's like not the weird chemicals in your, the kid gets to be four. It's not the weird chemicals in your body anymore. And you can like, I think you can unlearn it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a gradual um, process. Yeah. Um, reminds me of... Um, uh, just just a real quick joke from a TV show that mm-hmm. I'm probably going to set up poorly and not do justice to, but uh, did, did you ever watch Dr. Katz? Oh, no, but you've told me about him. Yeah. Uh, the, the, or about it. Right. The show was comedian Jonathan Katz uh, as a cartoon uh, therapist, mm-hmm. and all of his clients were comedians, and, and basically they would come in and do stand-up comedy bits, you know, as if they were in therapy. Mm-hmm. And Dr. and Jonathan Katz would kind of bounce stuff off him. But it also delved into Dr. Katz's personal life. And he had a, a son who was played by John Benjamin, a.k.a. Mm. Archer, a.k.a. Bob Bob's Burgers, a.k.a. John McGurk mm-hmm. from Home Movies. And uh, the, the his son is supposed to be, I don't know, 18, 21, I don't know, something. And um, there's this episode where uh the son is is being sort of a hypochondriac like <laughs> feeling sick but might not really be sick and he's going through one of his father's medical textbooks you know uh-huh. thinking he has everything and he's talking about it with his dad so it's John Benjamin and John Katz and and John Benjamin and and, and it's all improvised dialogue right like mm-hmm. like home movies was uh later this is before that um and uh so John Benjamin just goes like I think I, I think I might be suffering from from this one here right yeah and and John Katz as if he's reading from the textbook he goes like SIDS you 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 think you have sudden <laughs> infant death syndrome um, and uh, and he's like um, yeah I don't think that's possible it, it maybe more maybe more of a, a gradual case and John Benjamin goes I think I have grids. <laughs> God, 
God, I think we all have grids, Will. Grid, grids, grids has stuck with me for, <laughs> it's probably been 15 years since I first heard that joke. Oh my God, that's so funny. I don't, I've watched two, there were two seasons of that show. I watched them all. That's, uh, that's about the only thing I still remember today. <laughs> uh, the whole show just boils down to that joke for me. Um, can I tell you inform- uh, a small piece about SIDS while we're here? Sure. Yeah, we're on the um, subject. Um, so SIDS is sudden in- infant death syndrome. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, they didn't know what caused it. Mm-hmm. It was just totally random. Yep. And now they've figured out what is like physiologically happening. Mm-hmm. Have I told you this before? Uh, I think I've heard this probably from you. Basically, so, you know, there's plenty of times that babies, you know, essentially suffocate which Mm -hmm. is why you don't want to have stuff in the crib because they can't move Mm -hmm. like intentionally so they might get themselves on their side but if they get themselves on their side and then their face is in a a bumper or something yeah they can't breathe and then that's it Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but for the babies that just die without that sort of thing Mm -hmm. basically when kids are really little they figured out that their brains don't always remember to breathe, mm-hmm. and which sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and so what happens is, is if they're in a really, really deep sleep, they're like, cool. And then they just don't breathe. The brains just like turn off the breathing thing, which is like, you know, a right. autonomous. Um, is that what that's called? Yeah. The, the stuff that our bodies do that we don't have to put any conscious Actively effort do. into. Yeah. Like breathing and like swa- like uh, swallowing to a degree, mm-hmm. um, blinking, and that's why, for example, one of the black and white rules is that you should put your baby on your back on on its back, because especially <laughs> and when on your back, little- like if you're going, <laughs> you know, for a walk in the park or something. Yeah, um, you should put the baby on on their back because when you put them on their tummy, which is the way plenty of babies slept for like years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, they end up sleeping really, really deeply. Mm. It's super comfortable for them. Ah. And they figured out that it's less comfortable if they're on their back. And that's where back to sleep, mm-hmm. the movement started. Right. And the thing is, is you might hear, this is my also my most annoying thing about parents, is like when parents who were like, well, we did this and we were fine. Well, yeah, you did. You're alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like cousin or whatever who died. <laughs> isn't here to be like, yeah, that didn't work out for me. Right. Um, and so the numbers are really, really shocking. I think it was something like like 6,000 deaths to like 3,000 deaths a year. Uh-huh. Like it cut it in half. Yeah. Um, when they implemented this program. Um, and that's with people, you know, not everybody doing it correctly, right? Right. And so – even though those numbers are really small to the amount of babies in the United States mm-hmm. that are born every year, um, that's like 3,000 babies a year that just are like alive now. Right. That would Which is why been, yeah. that's like a black and white rule. Like that's that's yeah. a rule where it's like, you know, have I provided a safe or relatively safe? No. If right. you put your one, your two week old on your stomach, no, you have not. And you're taking a risk. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm glad I brought up that Dr. Katz joke because I think the perfect final note for our podcast, uh, which has a target audience of new parents, uh, is a reminder that 
some babies uh, just stop breathing in their sleep <laughs> for no reason other than their their brains for their brains are too new. Um, that ha- that can happen. Oh God! Um, so I need to signing end up off. Better. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next month. <laughs> Where we're going to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Again, it's all WandaVision, baby, for 2021. Oh, well, we could do a WandaVision episode because it'll be done. Yeah, that's true. We, I might do that. And I've watched it all. That's new. Yeah, that's true. We could, we could both talk about it equally. Oh, I actually have some late game old business that we can end on. Old business. Uh, I watched um, the first Captain America movie. <laughs> yes, you, 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 I know this because <laughs> you sent me a text about being surprised to see Hugo Weaving. Yes, I was so excited and surprised to see him. Um, when he first showed up, I was like, who is? And Kenny listed said somebody. And I was like, ah. And he was like, Elrond. And I was like, ah. <laughs> Most people would probably think Agent Smith. That's what he brought up. Yeah. From the and Matrix. And I was like, eh, I don't I've seen The Matrix like twice, but, you know, I've seen Lord of the Rings more. Matrix 4 coming out. Really? I think maybe by the end of this year. That's cool. I mean, yeah, I'll see it. Sure. It's going to be great. But then also, like, there's so much stuff from that movie that I knew about that I hadn't actually seen happen, like the origin of it yet. Captain America? Captain America. Mm -hmm. So, like, a couple of the, yeah, not Matrix, like a couple (laughs) Sorry, we, we talked like, about a few different movies in the span of one minute. Sorry. Um, no, you're fine. Um, a couple of the like phrases that they say come up later. Mm-hmm. Like even even just and this is like so obvious to you, but was not to me. The fact that um, Captain America and that hot lady scientist are dancing in at the end of Infinity War. End of Endgame. Yeah. End an end of Endgame. I mean. Um, when he decides to go back in time and spend his life with her mm-hmm. is like a callback to that when he was th- shoving his plane into the ocean. He said, yep. you'll have to save a dance for me. And when he w- when didn't... he wakes up in the in the future, <laughs> slash the present, he, he says, oh, I missed a date. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that that was part of the plot. And so mm-hmm. I was crying when that was happening, knowing what happens mm-hmm. like 10 years, like literally 10 years yeah. in the future or whatever. You saw Infinity War and Endgame before you ever saw Captain America. So you saw a Hugo Weaving impersonator play Mm. Red Skull before you ever saw the real Hugo Weaving in that part. Well, and then when Red Skull showed up as Red Skull, Mm -hmm. I was like, who's this guy? Red Skull. And uh, and then, but my favorite thing that I did, because Kenny groaned so hard, Mm -hmm. Was when Bucky fell off of the train, mm-hmm. I said, Ugh, looks like we're never going to see that guy again. Yep. <laughs> like, I think that day we had watched the um, the trailer for, uh, what are they in? Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We just watched the trailer for that. Yep. And <laughs> uh, Kenny was very annoyed at my joke, but I was quite pleased. It's pretty funny. Mostly because he was annoyed, so. It's funny to me to make fun of that part of the movie because that is the low point in a movie that I don't like very much. Yeah. That whole train sequence is not very good in my opinion. Well, when Bucky dies, I was like, even if I didn't know he wasn't coming back, I feel nothing. No. <laughs> or that he was coming back. I feel nothing here. Yeah, no, it's not not executed very well. 
uh, neither as an emotional death nor as a setup for what's to come Yeah. in reality. Um, the one thing that I did want to uh, say, and we can end on this because I think it's quite positive, is I hated when Chris Evans looked like a 14-year-old boy. <laughs> like, I understand that they did this to, like, really amp up when he got hot or whatever. I think but, they like, overdid it. Oh, my God. He doesn't look like a human skinny being. man. No. <laughs> I, and I've seen him like this. Like, mm-hmm. I've seen this before, and I didn't remember it being this extreme. I must have seen, like, a clip of it where it wasn't mm-hmm. so weird. Yeah. Like, he looks like a child. Yeah, no, he doesn't look real. <laughs> yeah. And But that said, he looks like Evans He looks like Pinocchio or something. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Chris Evans is like a handsome dude, but he's not like really my fair, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go for a Chris Evans. I'm going to go for like a Mark Ruffalo mm-hmm. or like even a Chris Hemsworth, yeah. you know, if we're looking at Marvel stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, I'm going for like uh, 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 Captain Marvel, if we're being honest. Sure. But if we're looking at the dudes, you know, not my, my main fair. But that said, him going from being a 14-year-old boy to a very handsome man. Yeah. Really made him so much hotter right. to me. Yeah, that <laughs> Do you know is, what I mean. Mm-hmm. That is <laughs> the interesting. contrast was like. <gasps> mm-hmm. And then Kenny told me, which I'm sure you know, which is that when he first comes out of his like, uh, my body is a cage container. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what is that science? That hot scientist name? The lady. Stanley. Oh, the oh, uh, Peggy Carter. Peggy. Sorry, you said hot scientist, and I started to say Stanley Tucci, who is also in the movie. <laughs> Right. Um, she reaches out and then pulls back from touching his peck at one point. Mm-hmm. And that was improvised. Mm-hmm. Did you know this? Yes, I think I did know that at one point. Which, like, that's how I feel. Yeah. Where, like, even in the middle of acting, mm-hmm. I would have been tempted to touch that man. Sure. Anyone would have. And, and few would have uh, resisted. Uh, I, I We've talked about these movies so many times. I've probably said this before. But... Uh, uh, a lot of people rag on the Ed Norton Hulk movie, yeah. saying that's the worst of all of them, mm-hmm. and that uh, one one of the reasons it's the worst is because that version of the Hulk looks so ugly and gross. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I, my unpopular opinion is that Hulk is better than the first Captain America, and that stick figure Chris Evans looks worse. <laughs> Than Hulkified uh, Edward Norton. Yeah, I, I, I can get on board. Go with that back opinion. and put them side by side. Take the, take the Will Hoffacker pre Avengers MCU challenge. <laughs> put them side oh, by I side can't. and see which one you stop tolerating first. I hate cha- I hate challenges. Dude, I hate challenges. But you're on like TikTok that. now. But you did a really good job of doing this one. You're on TikTok now, so. You should be all about challenges of the two of us. Yeah. Well, well, that's my parenting podcast. Thank you. With some MCU lore thrown in at the end to get away from the other content. A wonderful (laughs) uh, dessert to an equally wonderful main course. Thank you. Yes. And uh, I love you. And I'm excited to stream with you soon. Yes. And and to maybe have a a media based podcast next next month chances are good yes <laughs> that it will be related to movies or television and night, uh, yeah see you on twitch uh love you too and see you next month bye, bye. will is on twitter and letterboxd at youngest of one and his website is williamhoffacker.com 
You can find Liz at Exclamate on Instagram, at Exclamate underscore on Twitter, or on her website, ElizabethDeannaMorrisLakes.com. Our website is SmugBuds.com, and the podcast is at SmugBuds on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs>